Hello everyone, it's about 11 o'clock on the 22nd day of February of 2024 and we're going to share with you a Facebook, YouTube, Lift Him Higher Radio and Mike Springston FFC podcast. Today our topic is going to be on the process of election. Uh, we mentioned this a few days ago during uh, uh, one of our teachings and the Lord uh, gave me instruction to come back and teach on it specifically um, as we came back when we mentioned faith and we taught on it specifically and we pray that these things are being a blessing to you. We want to welcome our friends from the continental United States and around the world who are downloading our information, studying along with us. We pray we're being a blessing to you as you do. We want to welcome you to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Now, I also want to remind you of my book, available on Amazon uh, or in your local bookstore. My bookstore sold its last book uh, last week, so my bookstore on the website is officially closed. Uh, but you can still get the book through Amazon uh, and at your local bookstore. I want to remind you, uh, this Sunday there's been a change in our preaching schedule. I will be preaching. I will schedule Everett Easter uh, a couple of weeks out. Uh, so I will be preaching again this Sunday morning. I want to remind you that this Sunday night, the 25th, Juliana will begin the women's Bible study at 5 p.m. Always want to remind you of our 6 p.m. Facebook Bible study and podcast Bible study every Sunday night, and of course our Wednesday night service. Um, so uh, with that, uh, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to get into the teaching of God's Word for today. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. And then may we apply it to our lives so that we, we can be brought into the kingdom of your dear Son. Jesus, we ask you to speak out of the throne room of God today through the Holy Spirit. Show us what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And as you do, we will take it, we will receive it, and we will give it to your people. From there, we will be changed, transformed, translated, corrected, and brought into the knowledge and understanding and image of your Son. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and Amen. During this section of our teaching, we are going uh, to learn where exactly the function of election takes place. At the conclusion of this study, we're going to answer a most critical question, and this question is, since Scripture teaches us where election actually occurs, what about those who are not taught the truth concerning that journey that must be pursued by the one who believes on Jesus Christ, and what becomes of them based on Scripture? Now, before I begin this teaching, I want you to know that this is not one that I've designed or devised from my own personal desire. In other words, I didn't read this in there because I thought it was convenient. Uh, it wasn't even one that I'd presented in years gone by as I thought I had a pretty good foundational uh, presentation on, on the doctrine of election. Uh, and it would be an easy thing if just believing brought one 
into being the elect of God. And it would be an extremely easy thing if all of it revolved around my will because uh, that would humanize the work of Jesus Christ. It would also be equally easy if grace or love was the simple standalone uh, standard uh, that was set for election. Unfortunately, those concepts that we typically are hearing in our modern day are not so. Our teaching that has been geared in this direction is not only deceitful, it is destructive. Why? Because the Word of God, when rightly divided, speaks clearly on the subject of who and when one becomes the elect of God and how they enter into the condition of becoming the elect of God. Paul asks a good question about God in Romans chapter 9 and said, would this make God act unrighteously? And he said, God forbid. And I want you to remember, God is always going to not only act, but respond to righteousness. Now, before I go any further, I want to show you something here. And I, I've said this before, but I want to bring it to bear again. God did two makings, all concealed in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made Jesus to be sin. God took in a divine act and made Jesus to be who we were. We were sin. We were wrapped in the core of sin. We were birthed in sin. Iniquity and lawlessness were in us from the very beginning. God made the holy and the pure and perfect sacrifice to be who we were. Then, as Jesus flowed through the process of salvation, from forgiveness and healing to um, preservation of His Spirit and then being delivered and resurrected, God made Jesus Christ to become something that he would in turn by the divine action of God make us. He made Jesus to be like we were in sin and then made us to be like Jesus was in righteousness. So there, there is a righteousness pattern of which the believer must follow and the believer must come to and the believer must pursue. And as we're going to show you in this teaching, it is when that righteousness, uh, that being made by the divine act of God by following Jesus Christ, is enacted in our life that the Bible declares that we then become the elect of God. So, if we miss this concept and we remain in free will and we remain in free grace, and we remain in free love. If we miss this, we're walking in extreme serious and possible catastrophic consequences. For it is from this misunderstanding and lack of knowledge that people are dying. And they're going to be held accountable for the ministry of freeze. And the Bible declares that they are dying daily for lack of knowledge. Jesus speaks to them the words in the end result of those who tried to operate and function from a message of freeze, free grace, free love, free will. And 
Jesus says to them very clearly in Matthew chapter 7, you know, I, I never knew you. I never knew you. Now, I want you to see this, and I'm going to begin this study by talking about what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we've stumbled on these words for years. We've never really been able to put our finger on what he meant by these words because we were teaching, or the, the church world, not, not we, but the church world was teaching free love, free grace, free will. And humanizing Jesus Christ at every turn by those uh, terms and those uses. So, but Jesus says to the people in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone that saith unto me, look at it, not every, hi Charles, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God. Now there's a key phrase there that we have overlooked for years. And that key phrase is the kingdom of God. But he that doeth the will, the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Ah, what will are we looking for? What will are we seeking for? What will are we following? The will of the Father. So possibly when Paul says in, in uh, uh, Romans chapter 9 that it is not of our will, Paul is telling us, that free will, free grace, free love is just not the process by which God is using to create the elect. Now, neither is God using the concept of um, picking and choosing who he's going to determine to be the elect. That someone was picked before the foundation of the world over someone else. That's not the process either. God is, in fact, using grace, God is in fact using faith, but God is in fact giving us a will and a plan for us to follow. Now, what do we know about the will and plan of God? Well, we know that the will and plan of God sent Jesus into the earth. Hi, Brandon. We know that the will and plan of God sent Jesus to the cross. We know, but, but we know that in, in the cross, nothing that was, hi Tim, nothing that was uh, righteous could be found there. Because that was the place that Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he was made to be sin, so righteousness is not found there. Righteousness is not found until Jesus goes to the tomb and into the, into the resurrection. Then he becomes made to meet the standard of God because all of the sin of the world is left in the resurrection, and he comes out of there with the keys of death, death and hell. So in so doing, righteousness, robes of righteousness come upon him, as it does upon us. So we need to recognize uh, what has happened here, and that in, uh, I hope you're doing great, we will, I promise you I will be praying on that. So what has happened here is, is that God has not unfairly made a decision who will and who won't. That's not election. God has not unfairly determined uh, that man is as sovereign as God by being able to utilize his own will. 
man or is God opening the sovereign gates of, of grace as an open tool where man can live any way he wants to and grace will cover that? No, 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 because if it were, if it was, God would be living in an unjust, unrighteous, and out of truth, out of his own context. So there has to be something here that God is doing. Hi, Tammy that God is doing that is related to righteousness, of which Paul speaks, God forbid, that God would ever do something unrighteous. There has to be something here. Now, when the Word of God is rightly divided, it speaks very clearly on the subject of who becomes the elect of God, not only who but how, and how they enter into the condition of becoming the elect. Missing this, of course, is catastrophic. Now, Jesus speaks these words to us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. And it should have been right here that we realize that free grace, free will, free love uh, all are uh, of questionable origin and questionable understanding. Because look at what Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's a critical phrase right there, and it's known as the kingdom of heaven. There's another critical phrase coming, because the second critical phrase is that he, that, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Now, God is a sovereign God. His will will be done. The concept that you need to see in Jesus' teaching is that there is a path and a pattern, a plan by God that is made whereby man enters in to the kingdom of God. There's a path and a pattern for that. There's a place in the plan of salvation for that. Look at the plan. The first four plans, the first four parts of the plan. The first part is forgiveness. The second part is preservation. The third part is deliverance. And the fourth part is safety. Well, it is in that fourth part of safety in the plan of salvation where man enters in to the kingdom of God. And I'm going to show you that today in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. So anyway, we see critical elements of Jesus speaking to not everyone who calls him Lord, Lord, because they did not and were not translated into the kingdom of his dear son. They didn't go into the place where God willed them to go. It was not man's will, free grace, or free love. It was the plan of God that was willed by God. That Habakkuk 3.13 said, The salvation of the Lord came with his anointing and destroyed the house of the wicked. And what happened there? He stepped on him from the foundation to the neck. Think on that. What was the outcome of that? He became the righteousness of God. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? But then I will profess unto them, Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, in-depth wickedness, and operate in lawlessness. Well, who does that remind you of? It reminds you of those who are attempting to operate a spiritual work done by their own will, who are attempting to operate a spiritual work by free grace that gives them the ability to live as they like, or free love that God loves me too much to send me to hell. They've never come out of that wickedness and that lawlessness. Now, 
Who are the ones that are included in the statement of not everyone? Because the common knowledge is that we think that anyone who has ever proclaimed that they believe in the Lord, the name of the Lord, was to be saved. But Jesus says that evidently that angle of approach isn't accurate. So there are those who are calling him Lord, but who do not really know him as Lord. Is that so? Obviously, or Jesus wouldn't have said it. Then there is the qualification provided by Jesus that we somehow, either easily or intentionally, choose to miss. It is his reference to the kingdom of heaven. Here is a vital piece of this puzzle that the teachers and preachers who have relied on simply believing must have not noticed. Who simply say your free will, free grace, free love, and believing will bring you into the kingdom of God. Well, there is a kingdom connection, my friend, that is somewhere beyond this term of believing or beyond free love, free grace, and free will. And so Jesus understands that kingdom connection. Why? Well, because he's the king of the kingdom. So there must be a means now to enter the kingdom that the ones who call him Lord did not do. Hmm. We'll show you from where one must come to and what one must come from in order to enter the kingdom of God. This we do know, and we can see from the text that entrance into the kingdom of heaven is the fact. Now watch it now. The fact that is the will of God who is also in the kingdom of heaven. Notice in verse 22, uh, what will be said to justify those who have been taught about free will, free grace, and free love, and who have raised their hand in a church somewhere and said, Oh, yes, I believe. And they say, Glory to God. Oh, heaven is rejoicing over one saved. Really? <laughs> they say, Lord, Lord. This is a statement that they thought was one of familiarity to him because they thought that naming him Lord signified that their belief system was in fact keeping with what they have been told about being saved. But when we look into Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, we find out we got, we got issues, brother. Look at it. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... Now, wait a minute now. That sounds good, doesn't it? Because that's about as far as everybody goes in our world today. Believe, say in your mouth, speak it out, confess him. Confess him. And it doesn't go into the rest of the verse. Look at it. Because we're going to find in this verse and in the next verse some information that is absolutely essential. And shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, then thou shalt be saved. Why is that important, Pastor Mike? Well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you, read verse 10. For with the heart, the heart, the inner man, man believeth unto righteousness. 
Huh. Righteousness. All of a sudden, righteousness becomes the passage. Not confession, but righteousness. Not just saying he's Lord, but righteousness. Huh. Who made you? How did you become righteous? You were made that way by divine act of God. And with the mouth confession is made, now watch it here, unto salvation. Huh. Well, what's the plan of salvation, Pastor Mike? It's to be forgiven at the cross. It's to have your spirit preserved by the death of your flesh. Paul taught it in Galatians 5.24. Then it is to be delivered by being risen from the dead with Christ. But he wasn't done there. He said then, begin to seek those things which are above. Righteousness is the passage. Now look, if we live in free will, free grace, and free love, we'll never get to righteousness. Why would we? We can live like we want to and expect that free grace will take care of us. We can live like we want to and say the love of God is greater than this. And we can live by our will and our will is equal to the sovereign will of God in that economy. But that's not the will of God. That's not what Jesus said to those who were, who were in the Lord, Lord place. Now those who were in the Lord, Lord place, my friend, well, how could they have ever been lost? They did all of these wonderful things, I'm going to tell them to you. But they never followed Jesus into righteousness. Let's look what they did. They confessed Him as Lord. In other words, in that vernacular, they bowed before Him. They said, oh yeah, I believe in you. There's a next condition. Uh, and it's most important consideration that God raised him from the dead. It is this condition that satisfies the process of being saved. Why? Because it's the only place that one can be made the righteousness of God. You cannot be made the righteousness of God at the cross. Because the cross is the place where Jesus was made to be sin. That's not a place of righteousness. In the process after the cross, having been forgiven, you cannot be made to be the righteousness of God in your flesh. Huh? That's why you die. There's only one place that righteousness occurs. And that righteousness, by grace, gives you the ability to cross the bridge into the spiritual leaving the earthy behind. And truth and justice is looking at righteousness and saying, yes, that's it. That's justice. That's what's bringing you across the bridge. That's what's making you who you are in Christ Jesus. These words must be believed from the heart because this is where the you, the real you, really reside. We don't teach that in the, in the church anymore. We say, believe in your mouth, confess with your mouth, speak it out of your mouth, and you'll be saved. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. You'll begin the process. But until you understand what Jesus did in the resurrection and the connection of righteousness or the divine action of God that made Jesus Christ 
to be your righteousness and then you in him. Well, my friend, you've not come to the place where you're prepared to enter into the kingdom of God. You've just not come there. The election process is about to unfold on the other side of the grace bridge where righteousness being led by truth is being brought into the spiritual domain. But our world doesn't want to go there. We want to pass out free will, free grace, and free love as if we were giving out Skittles on the corner. Think about that. As if we were giving out a Tootsie Pop. But the Word of God says there is a will of God that must be followed as you come into the kingdom of heaven. Now what if the man confesses the actions of Jesus Christ from the cross without understanding the importance of the resurrection? Oh, now we got great problems. Now we got great questions. Because you're saying to me, Pastor, are you saying that everybody that confesses the name of Jesus is not saved? I would never purport to say such a thing. I wouldn't do that. I'm not their judge. Uh, but Paul did. Paul said until you understand the resurrection, you'll never be saved because it is in the resurrection that righteousness occurs. And unless you understand righteous, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now then, that just blows holes in this concept of free grace, free love, free will. Unconditional, unconditional, unconditional. The issue is, my friend, that we missed in Jesus' sayings in Matthew chapter 7 concerning the two important reasons that he said to those who were saying, Lord, Lord, two reasons. The first reason was they had not entered into the kingdom of heaven. The second reason was they had not followed the will of God. Paul turns around in Romans chapter uh, 10, verses 9 and 10, and explains that to us. And we got so caught up in the idea that we would lead someone to the cross that we never understood that the cross as central, as important, as absolute dynamic as it is in the plan of salvation is not the place from which righteousness is declared. I heard a prominent preacher say on TV the other day, everything I got, I got out of the cross. I got from the cross, I was saved, I was sanctified, I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I was anointed, all came out of the cross. That is absolutely an unscriptural untruth. I'm going to show it to you here in a minute. The bottom line is the cross did something in the dynamic presentation of salvation where God made Jesus Christ to be like us. Sinners. Then God took him and destroyed the thing that was making him or would have made you a sinner, which was your attraction to the flesh, and then took the sin nature, deposited in hell, rose him from the dead, 
where our sin nature is now deposited and gave us the ability to seek those things that are above all the way into the throne room of God where Jesus Christ sits at the right end of majesty. But we've tried our best to remain in the cross. Why? Because in the cross we can do three things, free love, free grace, free will. In free love, free grace, free will, we humanize Jesus Christ because we never went to the place where he was resurrected. We didn't understand that there is righteousness that must be involved with Christian living. Paul taught it. It's right there. Paul taught us in uh, chapter 9 that God is not going to do unrighteous things. God is not going to operate by the will of man. It's going to be done by the will of God. And man is going to be translated. That's what Paul said. Colossians 1.13 Translated into a kingdom that is run by his dear son. So what happens here? Are those who are remaining at the cross never journeying with Jesus through the plan of salvation? Have they ever been associated with righteousness or righteous living? How could they? Why would they? No one has ever told them to. No one has ever taught them to. No one has ever brought them into the concept of, of the resurrection. No one has ever told them of the necessity of what the resurrection must do in a man to conclude Paul's message of being saved. No, how can they? Because no one is telling, no one is teaching, no one is looking, no one is expecting. What we are looking and saying, he's going to say to some, you can't come in and we don't know why. Because those very some that he's saying can't come in are being taught the very methods and mechanisms that are going to get them rebuked. And we can't see it and we can't understand it because we don't rightly divide the word of truth. Ah, bless God, my 30 minutes are gone. Hallelujah. <laughs> ah, but I'm finished. I'm not done, but I'm finished for today. Can you see that we have an issue in the church world today? We have a righteousness issue today. We have a misunderstanding of righteousness. Therefore, we are teaching and preaching people into a most serious and catastrophic condition. What is that, Pastor? Well, that catastrophic condition is I don't know you. Why wouldn't they know them? Because they have never journeyed and followed Jesus Christ. We're talking about the function of election. And I'm coming probably in the next session to show you exactly how and when election takes place. Father, I pray that you'll minister to your people. Bless them that hear the word of God. I pray that you will open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, so that we can divide the word of truth, we can protect ourselves and our family, we can bring our family, our circle of influence, into right understanding of what the sheer term 
of being saved really means. Bless us now in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now once I get through this, you're going to take all the scriptures that involve election. And you're going to be able to view those scriptures in light of this teaching for the first time in your life. And see those scriptures in light of His righteousness. And then understand exactly where election occurs. God bless you, my friends. I love you and I appreciate you. Facebook friends, I'll see you again tomorrow. God bless you, my uh, podcast friends. Find Him as Jesus. You'll get the privilege to use His name. Find Him as the man in the Godhead and He will show you great and mighty things that are to come. God bless you.